Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hear that podcast growling. Shout him It's Dainer and Jay Alright, welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast Ground presented by Visa Network Working for everyone Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic Here working for you And unfortunately, Jay we are not working with uh, beer next to us and uh, volleyball being played off in the distance and kids running in sand and uh, people here listening to us. Uh, we're inside of a room inside Paul Brown Stadium without a window. It's kind of sad. It is, but fortunately we will be alive tomorrow to talk about <laughs> this. <laughs> Yeah, it was supposed to be at 50 West, but unfortunately, severe weather has brought us inside Paul Bronstein. But we are still here with uh, Bengals Director of College Scouting, Mike Potts, to do what we would have done in a much more uh, fun environment. But we're, we're still here. Potsy, what's going on? Not too much, guys. I'm, I'm happy that we're here in person. And, yeah. uh, you know, we finally get to do that after those past couple of years yeah. and the way everything went. Um, but I was looking forward to some nice weather and hanging out with you guys outside. <laughs> but the good news is at least we get to be in person together. So look at it from the positive spin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a busy uh Long time for you. I don't, wouldn't even call it a couple of weeks. I wouldn't call it a couple of months. Just a busy everything, you know, from the the Super Bowl run all the way down to having to get everybody caught up. And then, you know, you guys grinding so hard to try to put this class together. How much did you end up, now that you can kind of look back and see everything you guys did, how much did the way the season played out change a little bit of your guys' schedule, how you like to do things, maybe you guys choosing to do some things differently uh, in, in putting together your, your run-up to, to do in the class? Yeah, it definitely affected us a little bit. Um, I think overall, you know, we, we still accomplished the same goal of all the work that we like to get done during our process. It's just, um, you know, I think back to the all-star games that we, we uh, you know, our group of scouts flew all the way out to L.A. for the NFLPA game. We're out there for a week, and then we pop from there to Las Vegas, which is where they moved the East-West Shrine game to this year. Vegas to um, Kansas City for the AFC Championship game, and then we're on a 6 a.m. flight the morning after the <laughs> AFC Championship game to to uh, Mobile for the Senior Bowl, like I talked to you guys about. So, um, you know, it, it kind of, everything just kind of ran together as far as being, there not being more breaks in the calendar that, you know, there, there would have been on, on a year where we didn't make the playoffs or didn't make a deep run. But obviously that's a, that's a good problem to have. And then when we're out there in LA, we're out there for the whole week. So we just had to get an office set up in the, in the conference rooms at the, uh, at the hotel we were staying at so we could we could get our film work done and you know do our cross checks and all-star game evaluations and everything like that so we just had to think outside the box a little bit but we still accomplished the same the same goal and got the same work done uh but yeah it, it has been a long year overall but again you know you wouldn't you wouldn't want it any other way we just hope we're picking one spot later next year so 
That's what I was going to say. You, you, it's hard. It's more difficult, but that's something that you're hoping becomes the the new reality where maybe you learn how to how to manage your time better in that month. Yeah, absolutely. We're you know maybe maybe it's something that we look at moving forward. Whether we need to adjust our meeting schedule or maybe do some more things remotely. Whether it's it's at the Senior Bowl at the Combine. We we did do some of that this year in terms of uh, having some some more so informal but we still had some meetings like in our interview suite there um at lucas oil at the at the combine so there are some things that that you know we tried to incorporate to to make it more efficient and you know obviously some of that is the coaches getting in later in the process than than they normally would um you know as, as far as us getting on the same page so um you know we had to play a little bit of catch up on that end but on the scouting end it, it really wasn't all that different well, and it's easier when you don't feel like you're drafting for extreme need, huh? I mean, you know, you come in, you have a team that didn't need a starter, you know, that you, you've got darn near your whole defense back and knowing that you have to draft for that side of the ball and offense, you're looking, okay, we can find rotational, we can find depth, we can find competition. But, man, that's so different to the last couple of years. How did, how did that change I mean, it doesn't change anything. You're still, you know, you're still scouting everybody. You're still grading everybody. You're still going through your process. But the, you know, the focus on man, we really need this. Did that change things a little bit for you? Well, how did that kind of affect what you guys were doing? I don't think I don't think it affected us a whole lot. I think it's, um, you know, like you said, it's it's the same process. We grade everybody. We we rank them. You know, our process is we. We kind of stack them one to 31 or whatever slot that we're picking and we stack those guys in order regardless of position and I think we actually went up to 63 this year and then we kind of have groupings by by position after that further to the right on the board and then we'll do the same thing going into day day two and day three of the draft so um, maybe maybe it affected a little bit more with the the positions of need so to speak depth wise I think you always want to build depth um, and part of the reason it didn't affect us a ton would, would be um, for the fact that our needs right now are not necessarily going to be the same needs in two or three months, you know. So, um, and and filling all the needs in the draft is not necessarily, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, well, we still got this 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 need, this need. You're never going to fill every single need, in my opinion. It's an ongoing process of acquiring talent. You know, you look at last year with the trade that we made, getting B.J. Hill and a seventh round pick from New York, and then you know. After the seat, you know, he's getting big sacks for us in the playoffs, interception in the AFC championship game, and then he signs a big deal with us. So, you know, that's just an example of we're always going to continue to to look to fill those holes. Um, and that's kind of the argument to to take the uh, the best player available approach. Now, you know, that's that's incorporated with positions of need obviously you're not going to always just just do that so there's a lot of a lot of different factors that play in but um at the end of the day it was nice to not necessarily feel pressed to where maybe you valued that position of need a little bit more than you necessarily felt comfortable doing um you know had we had we uh had less had or had more holes to fill yeah. right is this is this process kind of the same for you every year where you're just you're grading the guys on talent or is there a symmetry that kind of develops with a new coaching staff. You know, this is the fourth time around with Zach where you have a better idea of, of the players that the coaching staff wants and the scheme and all that. Are, are you just based solely on 
talent when you're evaluating these guys, or do you take into account that the the culture, the character aspect that he puts so much emphasis on, and and specific scheme? Absolutely. I mean, there's there's three pieces to the evaluation. It's the it's the pure talent, which you see on tape, which you see, you know, and that incorporates also his testing numbers and all of that from the combine <clears throat> or the pro day. So you're there's there's a pure talent evaluation um, on tape, and then there's the character evaluation, and then the medical as well. And then we've got to incorporate all three of those. That's part of what Duke and I have to do is is take our grades from the scouts, what they see as the player, you know how we've how we've graded the person and his care his football character and his personal character, and then you have to incorporate the medical into it and really put we call it a Bengal rank. Um, so that's essentially our team grade on the guy. You know we may we may have a couple. You know, a fourth round grade, a third round grade, and a second round grade on a guy. That doesn't necessarily mean we're splitting the difference. We have to then incorporate our opinions of the player, and then also, you know, you may shade a guy up or down a little bit. Like I said, when we're stacking that one to thirty-one, those those character and medical um, and scheme fit also is is another um, big part of it as well. So um, it's it's just a it's a combination of all those things to put that final. Uh, Bengal rank on the guy, but in terms of in terms of with a, this is my fourth draft as in my current position, so that kind of coincides. Um, I got this this position prior to Zach being being hired, but after the uh, after the the draft, um, uh, prior to him him getting the head coach job, so we've we've kind of been. I would say we see players very, very similarly, mm-hmm. our scouting staff and our and our whole coaching staff. But that being said, we're, we're always in communication. It's not like we had like some, you know, uh, the head coach or position coach or whatever stood in front of the room and said, this is exactly, exactly what we want. Or the scouts are like, these are the, exactly the type of players that we like. It's just been constant communication over time. And really, the good, the good news is we're looking for, for the same exact things from the players, you know, both as a player and as a and as a person. So it's been a it's been a good mesh that way. So you you go through the draft, and uh, what you guys were kind of focused on was obvious to anybody. Uh, you end up with a bunch of defensive guys, a bunch of secondary guys, a bunch of fast guys, a bunch of versatile guys. There was definitely common themes. I wanted to ask you this though before we get into the guys. You talk about constant conversations that you guys are always having. How much was you guys were going through the, all these conversations during last year, watching what Lou's defense was doing and how they were doing it and kind of with these different game plans every week, and then knowing that you had to kind of rebuild the foundation of the defense going forward, say, come to the fact that, look, positionless players, versatile players – is kind of the future of the – do we have to wait to kind of predict the future of the NFL defense reacting to this trend that, oh, by the way, we kind of helped set in motion with the receivers. Did you have to kind of look at it that way a little bit? Yeah, our, our scouts are constantly talking about that. We're, we're a really tight-knit group, and we want to stay ahead of the curve. We don't want to be playing catch-up and, you know, saying, oh, you know, this is the trend, the way it's going. Okay, we've got to react. We want to, we want to stay ahead of that. And obviously with, with the offensive weapons – across the league, you know, in our division, across the AFC, in the NFC as well, obviously. Um, there's just, there's some dangerous guys that you have to match up with. Um, so I would say that that's one thing, you know, in, in terms of, of how we want to combat that. And then also injuries, you know, call it what it is, knock on wood, there's going to be injuries. And that's, you know, it's a war of attrition to a certain extent in, in the NFL. 
Um, you know, the, the teams that are the healthiest going into to January are usually the, the teams that are set up the best to succeed. So that's where that versatility comes in as well. You know, if, you, if you've got, you know, a safety that can play corner and your corner goes out and, and the guy can slide out there and play, you know, if the guy can play nickel, if you've got a pass rusher that can kick inside, if you've got, you know, a, an edge guy who can stand up and play some play some linebacker and the same thing, you know, multiple spots on the offensive line, um, receivers that can slide out in the slot for you and, and run routes and catch passes. It just it just helps you with uh, multiple ways that, you know, our coaches can use those guys to attack offenses and, and defenses uh, that we're going against. And then also for, for the injury factor and just, you know, how they can – they can fill in and, and help us get get out of those those rough patches. I mean, I think we were talking to Zach about look, you know, the, the versatility and all this stuff. It's like, you know, I can't tell you how many times we're watching these teams come in in December or we're playing them in January and they're having to pull guys off the practice squad to come fill out. You better believe the offensive coordinator sitting there saying, "Target this guy." <laughs> you know, you, if you if you have enough people that can keep where the fall off is not so drastic, just because of what those guys can do. For sure, that brings us to Dax Hill, right? to number one overall and the reason why you guys liked him so much uh, I know AJ uh, was in love with him he, he, he told me he was his favorite player in this whole draft and he was sweating like the dickens as they were <laughs> <laughs> you guys were waiting to see if the board was going to break for you what was your where did it start with Dax Hill when did you first start to get the impressions and when did he kind of become man that Bengal rank really made so much sense with him yeah we we've been we've been looking at him and aware of him for for a number of years now um um, you know, yeah, yeah. Our, our, our scouts all, all really liked him. Our coaches really liked him. We really had consensus on the guy across the board. Um, so when when that's the case, it's it's an easy selection. Um, but for me, I, I went to uh, to Michigan and camp, and you know, that's kind of where the the process started of seeing him at practice. You know, hey, this guy's a little different than you know, just in the way he moves, how long he is, explosive. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned the versatility. So he had a great practice, you know, the day I was there just speaking from from my experience. Um, and then you go back and watch the tape and you're just you're impressed with with everything he does. Again, the, the length, versatility, speed, um, you know, he's, he's got ball production. He's instinctive. He's a tough guy. You know, he'll, he'll throw his body around as a tackler. So really, when you're look, when you're looking at him, there, there's really not a whole lot to dislike um, about the player. So, you know, that's like you said, that, that was a. Um, a spot that we wanted to address, obviously, defensive backfield. We weren't, we weren't gonna, you know, we didn't want to reach on a guy just because he was a DB, and DB were was was one of the top um, places we wanted to to address. Um, but you go through you go through scenarios, and you're like, hey, if we if we get this guy in the first round, how does that correlate with what we could address in the second, third, fourth round, and so on? Um, so you, you, you'd love to you'd love to address those needs if you can, but you know, it, it doesn't always it doesn't always fall that way, and um, it, it did fall pretty well. For, we were picked over pretty pretty heavily in some other rounds, but we were actually uh, pleasantly surprised with the with the options we had available to us there at 31. And uh, obviously he was the top guy on the board. So, All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
the two other DBs you take, you, you guys actually trade up to get them, and that's that's rare for this team. That's there there hasn't been a lot of instances of that. What what is that like when it's you know, picks are ticking away, ticking away, and it, yeah. you're 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 sitting there waiting, hoping Cam's going to be there? How 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 big of a sweat is that to, to before you finally say, okay, let's we can't wait any longer. We got to trade up. It's a it's a tough spot to be in because, uh, like I said, that the second round was certainly a spot where we got picked over. Um, I don't know. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it was something like we were, let's say, eight picks away, and uh, you know there was like probably roughly five guys we felt really good about at that point, and then maybe you know those five got you know or four of those five guys go in the next five picks or something like that, you know, roughly. And those aren't exact numbers, but it was just like, you're just like, Oh, Oh crap. Uh, you know, this, this is not um, breaking our way the way, you know, maybe it did the way I was describing the first round and the way that board fell. Um, so Cam Taylor Britt was a guy going in that we kind of had targeted. We brought him here for a visit. We love what he's all about, his competitiveness, his physicality. He can run. He's got long arms. He, he plays the ball well. So there's there's a lot of things we loved about him. He was a guy that we targeted. We kept going through these scenarios where, like, you know, if, uh, if we take this position in the first round and we're going corner in the second round, you know, the odds are just with the way we're projecting it, both off of our board, both off of league value, and then, you know, maybe public perception you put that in there a little bit you know some of the rankings some of the media stuff whatever but like you know that that's also separate from our intel on on what other teams think um in terms of league value we just thought it would be it would be tight whether he would be there or not and once we really started to get picked over we're like hey like you know there's a sense of urgency here we need to we need to start making some calls and and you know see if we can get something worked out so um, I'm glad we, we you know, he, he was kind of that last guy sitting there, the group of guys that we liked. So when that happens, when, you know, when you've got, if you've got five guys and, you, you know, you're three picks away, then you feel, you feel great about it. You're not going to, you're not going to be as pressed to, to move up and, and, uh, and, you know, get aggressive and, and give up. We never, I think Duke said it, we, we're never interested in giving up picks if we, yeah. if we, if we don't have to. Uh, but we felt in that in that case, everybody was on board that, hey, let's go get a guy that whether it's as a rookie or into the future, we think can be a starting corner in this league. And like I said, we, we love the player and we love the intangibles and uh, all these he's about, um, you know, in terms of his his personal and football character as well. So that's why we, we kind of felt the, the urgency to, to go up and get him. And, and we're glad we were able to work something out. You guys, you know, you're talking about different paths if, if you did this then that how much how many different divergent paths were kind of pinning on what ended up falling to in one because I know we talked to a lot of you guys we're talking about before we get up to the draft and Duke talked about this it was, it was very unpredictable what was going to happen just because the the nature of the top 10 being weird and, and mm-hmm. just a, how much did you kind of have to plan for like there's going to be a lot of different paths that are going to go off depending on what happens at one and then two. Was that kind of harder this year than, than most years? It, it's funny because, and I think I talked to you about this, Paul, the, um, everybody was saying how unpredictable this draft was. And I thought the same thing, but it actually, it actually, when we're looking at our draft board on draft day, it was a lot more predictable than we thought it was going to be with the way our, our board just got decimated, you know, in yeah. the first two to three rounds. So it was, you know, I think the uncertainty with the top quarterbacks in this draft kind of, kind of, you know, I don't think anybody thought that some of those quarterbacks were going to fall as far as they did. So that maybe played into it, but like take the quarterbacks out of it. I think everybody was 
you know, quote unquote, hunting the same the same group of players. There's always going to be a couple outliers here and there. You know, maybe a guy we had in the fourth round that goes in the second, or or whatever the case is. Everybody values guys differently. You know, whether it's because of scheme, whether they, um, you know, everybody has the same character, or medical information, or or whatever it may be. But it actually, it's it's just funny. It turned into be it turned out to be a more predictable draft, I think, than we expected it to be. So. We did go through those scenarios. You know, maybe you take Dax Hill and, you know, it remains to be seen what his best position is going to be. But, like, you know, if you have him as – just say you have him as a safety right now, you know, you're probably not as likely to take a safety in the second round just, you know, just going through the scenarios of – of positions and how it could play out, but that being said, if there's safeties that and there were some, there were some other safeties that we really liked in this draft. You're not going to push them down too far, but maybe you know maybe that's a tiebreaker if you've got a guy on the, with the same grade at another position. Maybe you slot the other position, uh, you know, corner in this case over over a guy. So um, yeah, there was a lot of different scenarios. And again, you you know, obviously the positions we took are the are the positions. Um, well, it's not obvious, but the positions we took are the ones we did want to prioritize, and that's just how it played out. But we didn't want to uh, eliminate, you know, a guy at another position that we had super high grades on just because he's not a quote unquote position in need. Because, because again, it could be a position in need two months ago or two months from now. Just you know, just because it's not necessarily one today doesn't mean it may not be a need in the future. So, something you said earlier about you, you put this Bengal score on these guys. And then you also mentioned that you're mindful of the media perception, the the other mocks and stuff that are out there. So you look at guys like Carter and Volson, who maybe could have gone later. But so so how does that play out with you guys? Where you say we've got a grade on him here, but but the perception is maybe he goes later. Do we roll the dice and not take him here and wait, or is it just a matter of just sticking to your board? We've got this score on him, and, and we like him here in the third round. Yeah. With Carter specifically, there's a combination of I think sticking to your board and then the um, the amount of players at that spot that are available to you, and then we have guys those those two guys that you mentioned included in this group. We have guys that are targeted that we think are a great fit for what we need, how how he fits in on our roster and in our scheme, and then they're the right type of people that we want from a character st- standpoint. So maybe somebody else that was higher rated than some of those guys and something in the media or maybe even another team had them had them higher um there's probably reasons behind the scenes that we have those guys lower than than some of these guys carter volson etc uh really all the all the guys we drafted um so you do have to weigh that i think at the end of the day we thought those guys were one of the last ones at the position both of those the three technique and the uh, now carter can play some end as well but we think he can really help us as a three technique and then the offensive line um, guard tackle versatility with with volson those are two spots that we wanted to address and those guys kind of stood out you know maybe if there's five guys that we felt the same about we'd be like hey let's roll the dice maybe they'll be here be there around later um we just didn't think it was worth the risk and maybe they would have been there around later we didn't think at the end of the day we didn't feel strong enough that they would be um so you know we'll, we'll see how they how they end up uh playing out but um you know, we just we just thought for those reasons, those those were the the guys that that were the best fit for us in those rounds. Mm-hmm. In regards to Carter, and you mentioned the versatility that he has. Through you know, obviously, you guys were looking to fill the teammate with with BJ Hill to kind of play and back him up and give you something. But you guys seem to really be focused in on that. 
you know, the outside to inside versatility on that position. Why was that so important versus a guy who's obviously, he's basically just going to play three technique. He's not really got an outside body. You know, you're going to get what, two, 280, 285, whatever, kind of like Carter's build versus like, okay, this is a straight, is that just about team versatility? Uh, something that you guys just want the, your lineman to have more of that? Or do you feel like that was kind of almost a missing hole on your roster at this point. We don't have that maybe type of guy the way you'd like to. Um, I do think we have Cam Sample who can do yeah. do some of that. I think he can do outside, uh, inside stuff for us. Um, you know, Zach Carter, I think was 282 uh, or somewhere in that range at the at the combine, if I remember correctly. He's, you know, from from our scouts, uh, myself included, that, that went through there. He's been up. He's been up in the 290 range before. So we, we think he can still add some weight and potentially be. I don't think he's there right now. There's going to be a little bit more development. Um, we think he can potentially be a three down player on the inside at three technique. But right now, you know, it's just a matter of where Lou sees him. Where is he going to play him on first down on run downs? He definitely can play on the edge and set an edge for you and play the run for sure off the edge and he can give you some pass rush off the edge as well. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's something where we definitely went in and said, hey, we have to have an inside-outside um, guy with versatility because, you know, even Sam Hubbard can kick inside right. and rush over the guard on, on uh, passing downs as well. So we do – I don't think we were necessarily missing that player. I think we just really wanted to, uh, you know, with Larry um, being a free agent right now, he was so huge for us last year. BJ was so huge for us. We just we just really value that interior rush, and we and we thought uh, Zach Carter was just just the next guy that could that could give us that. And I again, it remains to be seen. Maybe he is a uh, you know first and second down defensive end and a third down interior guy, or maybe he develops into a three down um, three technique, three to five, four eye um, things of that nature. In terms of his alignment, we're just going to have to have to work through that. But he has been a little bit bigger. A lot of times, the numbers at the combine are a little bit deceiving because they try to lose a little bit of weight to mm-hmm. run a faster forty or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Um, but we—he's a guy that that again we, we had consensus on. You know, between the scouts and coaches, we all we all liked the player, and you know, again, we we didn't want to run the risk of him potentially being there um, a little bit later in the draft. So. So what was it about Tyson Anderson? You've already got two DBs. You've already got this emphasis on defense. You're in the fifth round, and you guys you trade up eight spots to get him. I imagine at that point there's probably, I don't know, it, it seems like there's less of a variance of players there. What, why were you guys so intent on moving up that far to, to get that guy? We just had a high regard for him as a player and as a person. You know, I'm sure you guys have talked to him, three-time captain, the, the character's – um, very good, um, and he's a guy that, that we that was at least in the discussion for us in in earlier rounds. Maybe part of the reason we shied away from him was we already took Dax Hill, who, who we think can be a really good safety for us. But you know, we we, we just thought the value there um, was too much to to risk him going. You know, we we do all the analysis of. of what teams need and you know there, there's a number of teams in front of us there and then and then we thought that with the Cam Taylor Britt pick as well we thought there was teams that um, certainly could take DBs in those slots we thought he was far and away the next best guy really at both in, in both scenarios second and fifth round we're talking um, so we just we just thought 
the and, and that's not even incorporating teams could trade up and, and get in front of you. It doesn't necessarily matter just because these teams are the next few teams in front of you. That's not necessarily how it's going to play out. You know, there's tons of trades, obviously. Um, and, you know, again, we we wanted we had players. He's another guy that we targeted, and we just wanted to, to go up and get him and, and leave no doubt. And, uh, you know, Mr. Brown signed off on it. He, he was on board with it, and we made some calls around to uh, – to teams um, that were that were picking up in front of us, and we were able to work something out in that case with with Chicago, and uh, and gave up the the seventh round pick to, to go up and get the guy the guy that we wanted. Um, obviously, you know we'll, we'll never know who we may have taken with that seventh round pick. The good news is we did agree to terms right now with with a lot of college free agents that we probably would have considered a lot of those guys with that seventh round pick. So we definitely got a lot of caliber of players that are, you know that would have been in the discussion. Um, there, but you know, again, you, you hate to give up picks, but we thought Tyson Anderson's value was strong enough, and, and everybody was on board with the player and the person to where we, we felt like uh, it was something that we had to do. Uh, ten years to the draft, you guys took George Iloka in the fifth round. By the way, just you know, just for reference of what that <laughs> name can be, right? It can yeah, be a absolutely. multi-year starter. That's great for you, uh, and it's certainly there's some precedent there. I want to bring in. I was going to say I have a few questions from uh, listeners that maybe would have been doing it with us uh, mm-hmm. uh, down at Fifty West. We were there, but it, this uh, before I get to Gunter, I don't want to cut him off. But this is regarding what we were just talking about. He said um, it was David Simone saying regarding trading up, Philly and New York. Jets had a lot of picks. They moved up to get more into the top 150. Do you think this is a trend? You know you guys like picks, but with this draft, was the thought maybe get the most in the top 150? Maybe that there was kind of a, a cliff after that a little bit. Was it, is, that, is that maybe part of the case? Um, I don't know if there was an exact number like with the 150, but yeah, that's that's a... Uh that's a good thought. Um, we, like, like I said, we we got really thinned out there because you know our board was just getting crushed there in the in the first three rounds. You know, it probably evened out a little bit a little bit later in the draft. But I think it really, you know, regardless of putting an exact number, whether the number is 100, 150, 175, um, in terms of getting in in that top range of picks, I think it just comes down to players that we have strong conviction on. That you know, there's consensus. We want players that the personnel department loves. And then we also want players that our coaches love. So everybody's on board with them. That's that's going to put the player in the best uh, spot to be successful going forward. Um, you want everybody motivated for that guy to succeed. And when that's the case, those guys turn out, you know, through, you know, we, we meet pretty much the whole month of April to figure out those guys that, you know, specifically we target. We actually, on our draft board, color those guys in green, um, you know, to just to note that, hey, you know, there may be um, – five safeties we have over here in the fourth round column or, you know, whatever the case may be. But like this one guy right here is, is a guy that, you know, because of this, this, and this, everybody's on board with him. You know, he'd be the, he'd be the pick of the litter there um, in that group if it, if it comes down to that point in the draft um, and we're able to select him. All right, let's just take a quick break. Uh, did you guys just fall in love with Coastal Carolina? I guess. <laughs> I, I, it's just like, you know what? I just feel like I just love what they're doing there. And they're the secret of all of college football because you, know, you guys might have a couple more, assuming they can get in here and be yeah. as under free agents. And then you take Gunter. Uh, is, is, was there something about that team? We just went down there and you just said, I, yeah. I spent time at the beach. It was the best trip I ever had in my life. <laughs> I just loved everything about it. I'm going to just keep that feeling alive. <laughs> yeah, we can't. I wish, I wish we could. 
comment on the college free agents right now, but yeah, there there may be a couple more Chanticleers <laughs> and joining the joining the Bengals as well. Um, but, but yeah, it just it just broke out that way. There was a. Uh, there was four players there uh, that we had solid draftable grades on, including the tight end, likely that was that was drafted as well. Um, so Trey Brown was, you know, he's the primary scout on that one. Um, you know, he comes back with with the reports. Like I said, we're in constant communication, so he's calling me about about all these. And there was there were some other players there uh, that he liked as well after his first visit. So um, he called me and said, "Hey, you know, I don't know what your schedule is coming up, but you might want to might want to pop down there." Um, and get your get your eyes on these guys. So um, I kind of changed some things around my in my schedule to get down there as well. Um, it's kind of it's in like Conway, South Carolina, just outside of Myrtle Beach. So it's not necessarily the easiest place to get to when you're working in other schools. Um, but when you've got four high level guys that that are scouts like, then you know it's kind of my responsibility to to kind of get a, an additional look on on a lot of guys. You know, in in that case where maybe we didn't initially have them on our on our uh, schedule for for multiple scouts going through there but I'm glad I went down there and uh, and Trey did a great job scouting those guys and we're we're excited about about the guys that we're going to get we we may have to we may have to uh, circle back and talk about the college free agents at a later <laughs> date so we can't we can't name them by name but but Gunter it's a similar conversation to some of the other these other guys that we talked about um, in the first few picks. He just stuck out on our board with the grades that we had on him. You know, he was uh, and Wyatt Hubert was the same case last year. We had we had strong grades on him, and we always go through. You know, you talk about position and need. Everybody's like, oh, maybe you could have taken whatever a running back, a tight end, a receiver. Well, no, we, if we have this guy with you know a significantly stronger grade. You go ahead and you go ahead and take them. Like you know, with Wyatt Hubert last year, we had already taken two edge guys, and he was the third, I believe, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. Osai, Osai, and, Sample. Osai and Cam Sample. Yeah. So you know, maybe some people would consider it overkill, but you know, we just stuck to it. And and, and again, uh, he was the top player graded on our board at that point. Um, he's a really impressive looking kid. Extremely long arms, you know. He's he's yoked up. He was he was productive there. He's got he's got speed, power in his game. Heavy hands. We saw him um, at the East West game on that on that uh, you know that two week bender that we were on of the, uh, <laughs> the All Star games and the AFC Championship game. Our scouting department was was popping uh, airport to airport, rental car to rental car that <laughs> that couple of weeks. But uh, but yeah, we saw him there at the East West game in Las Vegas. Um, during that trip, and, and he had a really good week there, really impressive. Um, and he's another guy. I don't know how much he'll he'll do it for us uh, once our coaches get their their hands on him. You know, they'll they'll have to uh, develop more of a vision for him. But he's another guy that was versatile as well. He did some you know true three four outside backer stuff where he's dropping in space. He did some great stuff as a pass rusher coming off the edge, and then they also kicked him inside uh, as well at Coastal Carolina. So. Um, you know, he's, he's been, he's a guy who's, I want to say he was 258, uh, somewhere in there at the combine, but he's been up in the two seventies before. So, um, again, the, you know, I, I don't necessarily look at it as like an overall theme of the class of like the versatility, speed, attacking defense. I just kind of look at it as each individual pick. Um, but in terms of theme of versatility with all these guys, he's another one that falls into that category. 
Uh, I do want to bring in, uh, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but a question from Kevin K. who said, uh, I know there's a big squad at the Senior Bowl. How did you guys handle, do you handle the Shrine Bowl? Three guys from this year. Is that game, I don't know, kind of on top of that, is that game kind of on the come up a little bit? Are you seeing a little bit more action coming from that? Or I know there's a lot of guys that went Shrine Bowl with the promotion to the Senior Bowl, too, yeah. this year. I mean, how did you guys kind of take on that? We go, we go to the Shrine game every year. It used to be in St. Pete, and it was other places prior to that um but ever since i've been scouting it was, it's been in st pete up until this year it moved to las vegas they did it in conjunction with the pro bowl week so the, you know the, the east west practice there and then the pro bowl i guess was that thursday mm-hmm. i believe if i remember right something like that um but yeah we we go to the shrine bowl every year I, I, I think we i think we took two guys out of there three senior bowl guys and then dax hill's a junior so he wasn't at um an all-star game but but yeah, you know the the Shrine and the NFLPA game as well um, have done a great job of, of getting uh, getting some of that some of that talent. And you know, there's there's some guys like you said that you know have they show out at the, at that week, um, the the first week so to speak of, of those big three All Star games, and, and then they get the promotion up there to the Senior Bowl. So. That's, a, that's just a big part of our scouting process for, you know, in terms of getting another set of eyes or even if you've already seen some of those players, you get to see them in person an additional time and then the face-to-face uh, interview time that we get with them as well, you know, 20 to 20 minutes or so mm-hmm. with each player. That's obviously huge in our process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're glad we're going to continue doing that. And, and uh, we go to, you know, there's, there's a number of lower-level All-Star games as well that we, that we attend every year, and some of those have had some guys drafted as well this year. So it's, it's a big part of the process. I was wondering, kind of, I know you can't talk about specific players, but the, the undrafted free agency process, like I, I have a pretty good idea of what a, a war room looks like during the draft, but I, I am really in- intrigued by how does that happen? Are, are you guys all on the phone with guys um, trying to recruit them to come here? How how furious is it? And, and where's the mechanics for a guy? Because they don't sign until they get here but next week. So right. a guy could say, yeah, I'm going to come and then flip on you. How does how do you prevent that? Yeah, we um, so it's it's uh, it's mayhem. I mean, we, we do our best to have it streamlined and organized, but we split it up. Um, scouts and, and coaches by position, just just attacking the uh, the guys, and then and then you know um, we may get uh, Zach on the phone with a guy, you know maybe Duke gets on the phone with a guy, you know if it's, it's it turns into a recruiting uh, type deal there after the draft. There's obviously agents, you know, trying to they're contacting us like once they get in the late sixth round or so, and they're scared their guy might not get drafted. They're contacting us. Obviously, we can't. Um, break the rules and agree to any any terms officially with guys until the final pick of the of the draft is over. So there's a fine line that you have to you have to balance there. But it's a it's a crazy process, and um, we do our best to kind of have guys that that we target. Now now there there may be a guy that we had a fifth round grade on that we didn't expect to go mm-hmm. undrafted, and then you kind of have to uh, incorporate him into your to your target list as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I wish I could talk about some of the specific guys because there are some college free agents that, that we've agreed to terms with that, that we're really excited about. Um, but, 
part part of it to answer uh, the other part of your question is developing a relationship with the players throughout the process and the agent to where that word is firm and they're they're committed to you and they're they're coming now obviously if a guy's just committed for a rookie minicamp tryout and then they're you know they're free to go and, and sign with the team if they get an, an actual contract but um we feel like we we're we're pretty solid with with all of these guys to where you know they're they're committed to us um and we're committed to them uh you know and and, and then just from here on out it would it would be them coming in next weekend for the rookie mini camp as long as they pass the physical then the contract would get executed at that point um we get into here now you guys are Kind of do the mini camp and, and all that stuff, and your the schedule is truncated. How different is the you know the new schedule, and 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 how much do you guys start talking about plans for how to get a guy going into the coaching system, or is it like players drafted, baton handed to coaches? <laughs> I mean, how how much is that kind of a tug back and forth, or is there a kind of a group plan that gets together with working with guys that come in? Yeah, it's it's huge. We we've started it the past few years. Um, and we'll have ownership involved. We'll have Eric Ball, um, you know, our director of player development, player engagement, um, you know, in terms of a plan for them um, on and off the field. The coaches as well, you know, just in terms of the type of support this guy this guy needs. Because let's face it, they don't they now they don't have um, classes to go to. They a lot of these guys, especially from big time programs, have a lot more support in place in, in terms of staffing at the colleges than NFL teams do. So there's there's just a lot more there in terms of structure that we're very mindful of. So we'll have we'll have that meeting um, before they get here for rookie minicamp with everybody on board, coaches, personnel, staff, ownership, uh, our player engagement group. You know, really anybody that could touch the player, our strength staff, our trainers, everybody will be on the same page of like, this is the structure that we need in place for this guy. And some guys obviously need more support than others, um, but we'll have a plan for everybody. And that's something that, you know, we're, we're proud of the past few years that, that we've tried to put in place. And, and you know, obviously every some guys mature and develop at different rates. Some guys come in as ready-made made pros, and that's um, something that's part of the information we get through the scouting process. So we, we do our best through interviewing the player himself and talking to the sources at the school um, to paint a picture of the player and what we're getting, you know, both as a player and as a person, and then just trying to set them up to be successful. Um, and, I, and, and I think it's, it's been a good process. We're constantly trying to, to improve it as we go forward. So that'll be, that'll be part of the discussions here the next couple of weeks. Uh, one last question that we have from listeners. Are you all aware of the fact that ESPN has an uncanny propensity for going to commercial break when the Bengals are on the clock and making their pick? <laughs> Apparently fans are very aware of this, I, I, which I knew because they always do. It is something that I always hear complained about. Right? Are you guys aware of that? I have heard about that secondhand. I, was, I, was, I didn't see that myself, but we actually have – NFL Network, nothing against ESPN, but we actually have NFL Network on for whatever reason. That's not my my choice uh, per se, but on the, t- the TV we have in the draft room, it's usually on mute, and then we'll unmute it like when our selection's about to be made. But we have had the past several years NFL Network on, so maybe 
their commercial schedule is a little different than ESPN. <laughs> you don't right. notice the commercials. Okay. <laughs> well, you guys, there, people don't realize that there's a there's a league in house screen that is giving the picks. So you yeah. guys that are well ahead of yeah. TV, right? I mean, you guys will have made your pick maybe ten minutes ago, yeah, and it it's be, still yeah. not even on the show. It might be 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, the the pick that's coming up on the TV might be three or four picks behind at, at certain times of the draft. Um, they try to ask us to, to spread the picks out a little bit so they can get the proper coverage and highlights shown and, <laughs> and videos and all that stuff. Um, I think there was a deal with, with Detroit where they submitted their second pick of the draft a little, a little bit too early. Too quick. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, yeah. They tell us to wait till there's under five minutes on the clock for that. First round. Which we all learned Tendencies. during the Joe Burrow pick because it was yeah. everybody knows what's <laughs> going on. It for? had to be drawn out. It was like, no, the, the league wants you to draw this out so they could talk about him. And it was like, yeah. you know, we, we could have turned you could have turned that pick in what, like two months ago, probably. <laughs> yeah. But you know, everybody let the time play out. It's just it's it's a, it's the broadcast. Hey, look, everybody, we even catch some pieces of that coming downhill. Everybody is paid off of these television programs to <laughs> play along nicely. Okay, and enjoy uh, and enjoy the show. So, uh, absolutely. I, well, I, I know. I'm, uh, congratulations to you guys, man. On um, uh, you guys put in so much work year round. In fact, you're probably just came down here from putting on tape of the 2023 <laughs> class, right? I mean, it was funny actually. I was uh, talking to AJ, and he said, you know, the first time I actually ever kind of brought Dax Hills. I made a 10 play cut up and almost exact this time last year took it to Duke and said, Hey, you may want to take a look at this. And it was, that was the beginning of what year, almost a year to the day, you know, right in this time, right after the draft where it's the first little pieces of the next class start to show up and off you go. It's like, where's the vacation? I don't know. You guys, <laughs> that, you're, I guess you're not in it for vacation time because there's not a ton of it. Yeah, it's it's been a long year. We'll, we'll definitely get some time to exhale. I, I feel like I haven't uh, spent enough time with my wife and kids uh, <laughs> the past few months, but we'll we'll be we'll be playing catch up here um, over the next month or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm proud of all, all the work our, our guys put in, our, our scouting staff, and yeah, I mean, it's it, it doesn't really feel like there's there's ever a whole lot of vacation time because you're all, there's always there's always guys to be evaluated, and we've you know we've got a solid head start on next year's class, but. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get it we'll get it started here in due time. Um, but it's it's important to have the balance as well. I mean, if you just go go go, you, you end up burning yourself mm-hmm. out. Um, and this this is certainly a year where you've you felt like you're on the verge of burnout at certain times. Um, but we've we've done a good job of, of just powering through it, um, and we're we're happy with the with the results. And like I said early in the beginning, it's it's ongoing. We're we're still looking to. It's by far this is not the. Uh, complete finished roster for the 2022 Bengals. We're, we're going to continue to look to to add players, you know, whether that's uh, on the waiver wire, trades, guys that are out there on the street, free agents. Um, and we'll just, we'll just keep, keep, uh, keep our eyes out there. And, and that's kind of the beauty of what we do with all of our scouts doing both pro and college work. So um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the group and, uh, and the, the works, the works over for, for a little bit, but you know, we'll, we'll constantly, you know, still keep our eye out there to ways to make the team better. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. Sorry we couldn't do this and now go to the bar, but instead, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, we'll, we'll just uh, we'll leave it. It'll be much sadder, but we but we did it. So thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time, bud. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.